to start us off, I just want to thank uh, Lindsay for the uh, lovely iTunes review. And if you would like to hear your name read and for us to thank you profusely, you should leave us a review. And you too can have your name spoken by us on this podcast. Also, just a uh, heads up, stay tuned at the end of this episode for a clip of our newest Patreon release, uh, Codename Honeypot, the Molly Weasley as Seductive Aurora fanfic. That <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that you need, but you do. You really need it. <laughs> so, with that... The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism is left for us to rant about. There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast for two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Chardonnay, Jesse Blount. In this episode, uh, we're talking about In Flourish and Blots. In this chapter, Harry learns that flu powder is shit, Lucius Malfoy is racist, and that Gildory Lockhart, the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, is scamming Hogwarts students worse than a U.S. college for books. We start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Millennials are killing flu powder. Today's youth are opting for methods of travel they consider quote-unquote safer and more reliable. <laughs> uh, there's an industry that needs killing it is the flu powder industry. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. It's not really related to the chapter, but, <laughs> you know, it had to happen. Anyway, um, we turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. My first item of business on the front page is Percy jerking off. Maybe we should start with your first <laughs> item of business. Uh, I mean, I actually also have that point as my second thing. So we could just talk about Let's talk about it. Uh, Percy. Like, like, Fred, why are you asking? You know what he's doing in there. And he's I know, just jerking right? it constantly. Like, bruh. Yep. I just I underlined that <laughs> when Percy comes down with his Hogwarts badge pin to his vest, it's like given that this is such an active euphemism for him jerking off, it's like very, very funny to think about him like strutting in with a pin to his vest. 
Listen. Oh, gosh. Listen, if you're, like, masturbating for that long and for many days, you probably feel great. That's true. Hopefully they have lotion in the witching world. I'm sure it's, like, I would hope that there's, like, once you reach a certain age at Hogwarts, people are, like, here is a recipe for lube. Yeah. Like, I, I don't so know. Too. Like, you already have cauldron and, like, ingredients for random stuff. I don't know. God, they probably use the weirdest fucking ingredients in wizard lube. I'm I'm sure, but as someone who has read a lot of fan fiction where people don't know how lube works and it's always like weird it's like you can't use these things as lube that Oh my god, right? <laughs> I feel like anyone who like gets their idea of how lube works from porn thinks that saliva is the only acceptable lubricant, which is like so upsetting. It's so upsetting. That is not good lube. Yeah, I feel I feel like I I feel like I've definitely seen things on the internet where it's like making fun of like romance authors or porn writers or fanfic writers who are like, shampoo is lube. It's like no. Also blood is lube. It's also no. Like please just use lube. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. No. There's nothing unsexy about getting out a bottle of lube. Anyway, back to Harry Potter. Anyway, I'm sure that Percy's lube potion is perfect because he got 12 owls. So he has a flawless. Oh, yeah. It's flawless. It's Um, like Percy didn't gloat at all when he got his owls. It's like, excuse me, Percy was gloating in some like kinky ass. I got 12 owls letters with his prefect girlfriend. Oh, my God. You know that you know that he was. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Kinky nerds. I love it. Um, not related to masturbation. Well, maybe, I don't know. This is our first introduction to witching mirrors that talk back to you, which I don't like, unless they're being like, you look great. I miss, like, I don't want the mirror to talk back. It's just like, I would just not own a a witching mirror. I'm like, no, I don't want, like, I don't want the mirror to, like, comment on my naked body, like, fuck you, mirror. Yeah, totally. No, it's like, so uncomfortable (laughs) why would you do that whose idea was that don't know not everything needs to be fucking enchanted sometimes you can just leave a thing (laughs) well said my next item of business is what the fuck they each eat six (laughs) bacon sandwiches what the hell yeah, that was a, that is I like did I like yeah, it's just it's real weird. It that's so many bacon sandwiches. Like can you imagine Ginny is 11. <laughs> She's like probably weighs 70 pounds at most. <laughs> She's eating six bacon sandwiches. Like she's going to feel so sick anyway. <laughs> I just want to say that I think it's weird that Harry flews into um, Borgen and Burks and, like, no one hears him. Like, you would think if you're a store and you have multiple entrances, essentially, they'd be, like, a bell or something that would go off. Like, it just, especially when you're, like, a shady-ass, like, dark object pawn shop, like, you're going to want to know who the fuck's coming into your store. That's true. That's a really good point. It's real weird. 
It's also weird that that store would be the go-to Nocturne Alley fireplace. Yeah. Wouldn't it be, like, another, like, pub or something? Because don't you, like, if you just say Diagon Alley, don't you come out in um, the Leaky Cauldron? I think so. So wouldn't it be, like, not a store full of, like, breakable shit? Would probably be a better... (laughs) Anyway. I mean, we can get into this, but the whole logistics of how flu works seems, like, bonkers. Oh, yeah, we we will have a whole segment on that. (laughs) It's going to be 45 minutes of us ranting about how much we need. It's whole own episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what's next? Do we both have Percy being as peak Slytherin in this part? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Ron straight up says Percy is really ambitious. Like, my note says, I told y'all he should be a Slytherin. <laughs> Yeah, he's reading a book called Prefix Who Gained Power. That's like the most peak Slytherin-ass title of a book that wasn't like full of dark curses that we I think we might see in this entire series. Like, Uh-huh. So. Exactly. And I don't know. I think that also plays into my like Percy is such a bottom thing that we'll talk about <laughs> later in this book. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, no, it's like Slytherin is Slytherin as fuck. Percy is a Slytherin. Like, it doesn't make any sense that he didn't get sorted into Slytherin as quickly as Draco Malfoy got sorted into Slytherin. Yeah, word. Yeah. Speaking of Draco, we get (laughs) some real good evidence of how big his crush on Harry is in this chapter. It is so... So, like, you talk about him nonstop. Okay, Draco. So gay. Uh-huh. Just... His dad says, you've told me this a dozen times already. Like, Draco. Buddy. I know. I know. It's, yeah, it's sweet. <laughs> it's a shitty way to show your crush, but it is sweet. <laughs> I mean, you know. Sometimes you're obsessed with about your crush and about their accomplishments. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta talk nonstop about them. Well, no, not the talking nonstop. The fact that his talking nonstop is like, nah, Harry Potter sucks. Nah, 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 nah. I hate him. I'm gonna be mean to him when we run into him later. And it's like everyone buddy, thinks he just... everyone thinks he's so great with his scar and his beautiful eyes and his like <laughs> cute haircut and his like vintage sweaters and i hate him <laughs> yeah. oh my god you nailed it <laughs> uh, <sighs> okay um jenny let's talk a little bit about jenny okay I just love how she was literally ready to throw down for Harry and flourish and bots. And, like, this is literally the only thing that you've seen her say this entire... Like, in the past, like, couple of chapters is her, like, about to, like, fuck Malfrey up. And it's just, like... I just love it. I'm like, that's right, Ginny. You fuck him up. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. She a little, like... uh, Her crush on Harry makes me feel, like, so many different ways throughout this book it's cute it's at odds with her personality later and her i feel like huge i guess i would i guess i would say that jenny has some serious like 
big bi energy going on. So. Oh, yeah. But she's also just, like, she's, like, really confident and really funny and really, like... Agrarious? Gregarious. I know what you're... And gregarious? It's gregarious. I literally just recited a Shel Silverstein poem in my head to (laughs) land on the word that I was looking for. (laughs) That's fair. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, she, she is just, like... It just is not... It doesn't... And I get... People change a lot from, like, when they're 11. But... We get the impression in later books that she doesn't get unawkward around Harry until Hermione's like start dating other people and like get your mind off of him. Um, and I don't know. I I think speaking as someone who's like had really giant crushes on people that I was friends with a lot in my life, like. Someone like Jenny who has that kind of confidence, I feel like she would really be more like, I'm going to make you my best friend, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) let's hang out. I'm not uncomfortable. Like, I don't get butterflies every time you accidentally touch me. Like, we're buds and not this, like, putting her elbow in the butter, like, smashing dishes, blushing constantly kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that reaction. I just don't think it lines up with who Ginny is. You know, I I think you're right, but I, my, I don't want to say counter, but I think my response to that is, <laughs> as we discussed in the last episode, this might be the first boy who's not her brothers that Ginny has ever interacted with for oh, an extended shit. period of time. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> You are right. You are correct. Yeah. Oh my so god. So I feel like I feel like Ginny's confidence is just like she knows more people when she goes to Hogwarts and she's you know and it's like, oh, I'm used to seeing people. It actually is sort of miraculous that as many of the of the pure bloods are I mean I guess a lot of the pure bloods aren't well adjusted, but like they all like socially well, I don't know. Anyway. Maybe it explains all the fighting in the hallways, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> No, I, um, like, for sure, that is, that is weird. That is weird to think about her only ever having hung out with her brothers. Jesus. Yeah. All right. I know, there doesn't seem to be any, like, ministry company picnics or anything, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, I know that we're gonna talk about nocturne alley in a later section but just really quick the fact that this slug repellent that hagrid has to buy is only sold in nocturne alley and not at like a garden store in diagon alley makes me wonder if harry's read on nocturne alley is a little bit wrong if like the impression that we get of it from his eyes might be like a little like he show he gets there through Borgen and Burks and then like everything that he sees when he exits is like colored by that and like the kids aren't allowed down there because like freaky shit is sold down there no matter what like that's true but like maybe it's not actually as sketchy as we get the impression of because like 
anyone who needs to buy flesh-eating slug repellent has to go to Nocturne Alley to get it, you know? Yeah, maybe it's, like, really, like, toxic or poisonous or volatile, so they can't, so they're not going to sell it, or, like, there's, it's full of, like, school children, and they're going to sell it on Nocturne Alley. Right. I have to say, my first thought was that, and we know Hagrid is not a good liar, but I just wonder <laughs> if it was like, oh, yeah, I'm getting, like, flesh-eating slug repellent. I mean... As as someone who like I mean since she frequents the Hogshead a lot, which is also maybe the shadiest place in Hogsmeade, as far as we could tell, like maybe that's where like the the dive bar of not of like you know whatever. I mean I think there's a variety of reasons why maybe like there would be some stuff that Hagrid would go to Notch and Alley for, and then not just be totally forthcoming with like twelve year old Harry. That's true. And I feel like for sure, like the um, the hog's head of Diagon Alley is, or like of that area is going to be down Nocturne Alley. Um, and if she's like looking to, you know, play poker for a new illegal animal or something, like she's going to need to go to that bar instead of the Leaky Cauldron. Also, if there is a gay bar in the witching world, it's going to be on Nocturne Alley. Let's be real. <laughs> that's complicated isn't it because yes but also like it seems like that's where all of the bigots shit is so like wouldn't that also be like a really dangerous place to have it like hanging out next to the like super racist like muggle killing fucked up stores i mean i don't know i feel like a lot of Historic gay bars weren't necessarily in, like, super safe areas of cities. I don't know. But super safe isn't the same as, like, being in, like, a strip mall where every other (laughs) store is run by the KKK. Well, okay, so Harry is, like, has a hard time figuring out how to get back to Diagon Alley. I feel like Nocturne Alley seems pretty large. Like, it's not just, like... It's three terrible stores, like... So it could have sections. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm into it. <laughs> I'm just I saying... I really this... that she was, like, out looking for, like, a super hot lesbian hookup. That sounds great. Yeah. You know, you gotta get it in before the school year starts. Yeah. So. <laughs> before you're, like, totally isolated <laughs> from the rest of the goddamn world. <sighs> great. Great, great. Uh, that was my last front page. We see a lot of items here that don't show up for another three books. Maybe y'all have already spotted, but Harry is hiding in the vanishing cabinet that makes a very important appearance in book six. Six. Also, the Hand of Glory that Draco does eventually probably buy for himself <laughs> for the um, end of book six and then also the cursed necklace i which is probably the same one that katie bell is poisoned by are all here um draco was really excited to buy these things i just want you to guys yeah <laughs> he's like fuck you dad i'm getting this cool i'm getting this hand of glory yeah totally yeah so either jk rowling at this point had started her like honestly like very very good like plot laying out for the rest of the series or she just like went back through the previous books and was like what can i grab but i assume it's 
the first option because like we get the horcrux here yeah i think so too because she says uh she says that there's a bit that turns up in book six or seven that she initially was gonna put in this book no oh. And I think something about, like, the Horcrux or, you know, Voldemort's backstory that, like... So I think at this point, she's is probably already thought about, like, at least a lot of the Tom Riddle, like, Horcrux-y stuff. Cool. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Or sad. <laughs> well, well, Yes. So, yeah, beginning with <laughs> Harry's, like, the first line of this chapter, which is Harry being, like, the weirdest thing about being at the Weasleys is that everyone likes him. And then we all cried. Yeah. I was just, like, yeah, just, like, a string of crying emojis. It's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, Harry doesn't get to live a place where people like him until book seven. So. I mean, he's on the run with, like, Ron and Hermione, but at least, like, for a minute, he, you know, they're living at Grimaud Place, and, like, Creature is, like, making them dinner, and it's just very cozy. And yeah. it's, like, it just takes so much time, and it's very sad. I know, it is. It's, like, he keeps loving Hogwarts, and, like, why? Because it's not, <laughs> it's fucking terrible for him. <sighs> yeah, it's fucking tragic. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? Dumbledore being the worst. It's time for Witch NSA Watch. Dumbledore already knows you're here. That man doesn't miss a beat, says Mrs. Weasley. To which we all go, ah, like what? So it's like, okay, cool. (sighs) You're cool with Harry just like being in solitary confinement and like being malnourished. Fuck you, Dumbledore. Fuck you. What, like, if the Weasleys hadn't rescued him, like, would they just have sent it into, like, slipped between the bars of his room? Like, what the fuck? I don't... I... I, I, It's, like... I mean, we know why he's doing it. He's doing it because the more fucking broken harry is like the more harry is gonna like respond to what he perceives as dumbledore's trust and kindness Mm -hmm. but like god damn it this is not okay behavior no it's infuriating yeah and the fact that no one was like oh man too bad dumbledore didn't know about how terribly the the dursleys were treating you it's just like nothing yeah it's a real bummer as is well that's it for nsa watch right this has been which nsa watch okay other things that are real bummers fucking errol fucking goddamn owl oh my god he looks like a molting feather duster and fucking Ron calling him pathetic. Ron, I hope that someone comes when you are, like, 95 years old and, like, knocks you down and calls you pathetic. Like, fuck off. You mean, like, 140 because wizards live the longest. Time. Yeah, whatever. I tried to go old, but that was the best my brain could do. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, like, come in there and be like, well, actually. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Um, yeah, like... 
Ron like lays Errol on the goddamn floor. Is no one gonna nurse this? Like, give this owl some fluids and some like fucking like pureed meat. Like, what the shit? Like, Errol needs some serious care. And it's like, like, is there not like an owl retirement facility, like a sanctuary, a retired post owl sanctuary? Why do they just? No, dude. No to this treatment of Errol. Fucking Hermione, like, I think that another delivery might finish your owl off. You guys, stop. Like, just, god damn it. It's... Some of the shit that J.K. Rowling writes that is supposed to be funny makes me be like, are you a sociopath? <laughs> Why did you think this was funny? Have you never had a pet? If it was like, oh, this 17-year-old dog with, like, bad hips needs to fucking, I don't know, like, is still, like, a sled dog or something, you know? Like, is supposed to, like, be doing whatever job. We would all be like, fuck this. Anyone who's ever had a dog would be like, fuck this. Like, let that dog lay down. So, like, why is it funny? Because it's an owl? It's not funny. It sucks. Yeah, and, like... People retire their sled dogs to be pets, and, like, cops retire, like, police dogs to be pets. It's like, let Errol be a pet and, like, eat mice in the field and, like, do whatever the fuck he wants to do. Let him chill out. Stop having him deliver the mail! My God! Yeah. Anyway, free free Errol is what we're trying to say. Hashtag free Errol. (laughs) (laughs) So... Anyway, next politics point. Uh, All my ones are about witch racism. (laughs) And... (laughs) Nocturne Alley and stuff like that. Nocturne Alley. Yeah. All right, mine too. So, you take it away. And now what you've all been waiting for, talking about Lucius Malfoy and his racism. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I just... I just changed this sentence where, like, like right before Lucius leaves, he's like, wizard blood is counting for less everywhere, and it's just like, whiteness is counting for less everywhere, and I'm like, yeah, okay, bro. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. It's... He's, like, r- revolting. So, it's interesting, because I feel like the stuff with, like, blood purity bigotry is sort of the like racism analogy in this series i mean i think there's still racism that's happening that's not being addressed but what i will say is that even though it's sort of blood status bigotry is sort of like kind of uneven across the series i will say that lucius is like a pitch perfect bigoted character like in the few chapters when you're first meeting him you're like Oh, you're one of those assholes who yeah. has, like, too much money and is hella bigoted. Yeah. Everything about him is just, like... And, like, everyone knows that he has a house full of fucking dark magic and used to be a fucking fascist. And it's like, oh, because he's rich, no one can touch him. And I'm just like, I mean, eat the rich, number one. But it's just like, <laughs> of course. It's like, oh, you have too much money and to, to like, be put in prison is terrible but he is above the law because he has money and it's fucked up yeah it's nice that arthur has him nervous i like that yeah yeah if you're gonna have a work nemesis it should be a literal fascist 
racist yeah. bitch dude. I think that there's something to be said, too, for the fact that, like, he is so just, like, despicable that even Borgen hates him. <laughs> that is an accomplishment. I'm pretty sure that's an accomplishment. You know, I get the impression from later books that Borgen is kind of one of those dudes who's, like, hates everyone, but... I mean, I, th- I think you're right. I also think that... Borgen is probably used to rich, privileged assholes giving him shit. Right. So then the fact that he's like, yeah, fuck you, Malfoy, as soon as he leaves is like, damn, <laughs> you really fucking suck, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, like, the it's just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I guess segueing from this into the fact that like, like the irony of them discussing the Muggle Protection Act on a section of a street that is literally only stores that sell shit that is like designed to harm muggles that's being allowed to exist in this world is like there is such a deep irony there and i feel like that's worth exploring yeah no we can explore that yeah who the fuck who the fuck are you using poisonous candles on Right. Why are why are poison <laughs> candles legal? Like, you guys, we like why? I mean, why is the counter riddled with human bones? Like there are so many questions about fucking Nocturne Alley. What is going on? I, why? I mean, the, the okay, so what I imagine is that it must operate in some kind of, like, weird legal gray area where it's like, oh, like, these human these human bones, this hand of glory, these are, like, you know, you know, historical objects for people to display. Like, we're not selling them to be used. Like, oh, I can't give you who sold it to me. Like, I don't ask those questions. I mean, it it is weird that it is allowed to operate in the open, but I feel like there are weird businesses in the United States where it's like, how is this legal for you to just like... Well, I mean, like, why can you just, like, go buy a gun, for instance? Yeah. Or, like, I mean, I'm sure there are pawn shops that sell, like, stolen material, and it's like, how is that, like, legal? But it literally says a dingy alleyway that seemed to be made up entirely of shops devoted to the dark arts. The dark arts are... Not allowed? Question mark. I don't know. It is. It is very confusing that this uh, that these businesses are like basically out in the open. I mean, I feel like Borgen and Burks. Most of what's described as no, not most. Some of what's described as being there, like the Hand of Glory. It's like, yeah, this is just like a weird item, you know. Yeah. But like, that's fine that you're selling that. But, like, a fucking piece of rope that's designed to strangle whomever touches it and says that it has been used to claim the lives of 19 muggles to date, that's illegal. That's what Arthur's job literally is, is to get rid of shit like that. So, like, how is that just for sale? You know what I mean? Like, that's what just doesn't line up for me is, like, 
And like a fucking cursed necklace, right? That like kills you, kills the mm-hmm. fuck out of you, as we yeah. see later with Katie Bell. Even if you were going to use that on another witch, like that, that should not be something that you're allowed to buy, you know? Yeah. And then this is like a whole separate thing, but like, why would Borgen buy shit that would get Malfoy in trouble if his house was raided? That just means that now Borgen is the owner of shit that will get you in trouble for owning it. And like, clearly he can't, shouldn't legally be able to resell it. Right? Because it's illegal. So, like, if someone raided his store... I mean, maybe he's gonna sell it quickly enough where it's, like, not gonna show up. You know, or they're they're gonna show up and he's like, oh, no, I don't have this thing. <sighs> so. I don't know, it's real weird. Like, I mean... Uh... I, I mean, I think... I think that it's just, like, points to how fucking corrupt the ministry is. You know? It points yeah. to... It explains to us more why Arthur's job is considered a joke. And that's because literally actually no one cares about protecting muggles and it's all lip service. And so it's like, Oh, this dude who like actually wants to like keep muggles safe. Like, ha ha ha. Fuck that guy. When everyone else is like on the down low, like fuck yeah, Borgen and Burks. Like, you know, that place, they sell good shit, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, if, I mean, if Lucius Malfoy is, like, rolling up there, then he's probably being like, oh, no, minister, we don't need a law to regulate anything that happens in Nocturne Alley. It's just adults doing, buying antiquities and, like, preserving our culture and blah blah white fascist bullshit. Yeah. I do like the idea that this is only a piece of Nocturne Alley and that there's, like, a lot more to it. I mean, it seems, like, it seems like it's huge, and I feel like there's probably more things that are, like, not normative, but not necessarily, like, super dark. Right. Know? So. Um, like, there's probably, like, a strip club or something in Nocturne Alley. Yeah. So. Or burlesque? I don't know. Whatever. Like a brothel? Probably. I find it hard to believe that there is not at least a few witching world brothels. Totally. Shit, what was I going to say? I forgot, but what's up with selling human fingernails on a tray? (laughs) (laughs) This isn't political, but it is related to nocturnality. It's real weird. I mean, I assume you use them in potions, but, like, everything you use in potions is, like, pretty upsetting. So, like, why isn't it sold in, like, the potion store? And, like, on a tray... Like, it's, like, some jewelry. You know what I mean? Like, that's the fucking weird part. I mean, I mean, you know, if you needed... See, if you needed to, like, polyjuice yourself, you'd probably want a few random-ass fingernails. Just throw in some random-ass... Oh, my God. But... Dude! That's fucking upsetting. (laughs) It is upsetting. But why are those fingernails not in fucking vials? They should be in little glass vials and not just, like, randomly on a tray. Like, that's fucking gross. It is gross. It's gross and weird. Also, where do they come from? Where do they come from? (laughs) (sighs) Oh, man. Yeah. There's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot going on here that's, like, very confusing. Also, if you're selling, like, a weird illicit thing, like, why, like, why, like, why would you have, like, your cloak with, like, little pockets that had stuff in it and not, like, a tray of just loose fingernails? 
right? Like it's like a fucking tray of hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> it's so gross. Okay. Is that it for politics? I have one more thing. Okay. Why does Lucius even care about Draco's grades? It's not like Draco has to fucking work. Like, he's rich. Like, who the fuck cares what he, grades he gets at Hogwarts? He's just gonna still be rich and powerful anyway. I think it's like, a, it's just a status thing. And like a demanding parent thing. But it was still okay for Draco to be a baby fascist and a potential murderer. Just throwing that out there. Well, that's expected. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah, a, a, a plus parenting, Lucius Malfoy. It really, like, all of the interactions that we get with Draco's parents actually, like, add to my sympathy for Draco, you know? That's a hard fucking thing to live with, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, guess I, I guess I always sort of assume that Narcissa was maybe more tender towards Draco and less, like, whatever sort of fucked up masculinity trip Lucius is on. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I agree with that. I just mean in terms of, like, the way that they interact with the world and, like, the stories and messaging that they're feeding to him. Like, it definitely takes, like, a certain kind of person to, at the age that Draco is at, already know that, like, the stories that his parents are feeding him are wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And that, like, isn't... I would say, like, that's not an excuse at all for like any adult to be like well i was raised this way it's like no you actually like have a brain and you can like make your own decisions Mm. but like he's 12 you know yeah at this point what he's being fed like it's gonna be like real hard to sort that out yeah i mean i feel like i've met people who have been like white and privileged and from a lot of money where it's like Sometimes they question that when they get older, and sometimes they don't. But I feel like in general, like... I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that having, like, race and class privilege, like, help makes your life easier. But I feel like kids growing up that way, in general, seem really fucked up. <laughs> I feel like this is a step beyond that to, like, he has all of that privilege, but he's also basically in, like, an extremely, like, fundamentalist household, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing. But, like, waspy fundamentalism. <laughs> or whatever the UK version of waspy is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just feel like that's so, like, brainwashy, you know? That, like, yeah. I wouldn't expect, like, unless there was... Well, I mean, I guess there is. Like, Draco is queer, which I think often is, like, one of the things that, like, makes kids break from that and realize that their parents are wrong, like, very early. Mm-hmm. But... If there isn't, like, a motivator like that, I think it's often not until, like, college and, like, exposure to that kind, like, different ways of thinking that those kids are, like, start to shed those ideas. Yeah. Not that they, not that everyone does, but, like, I think it's, the the only acceptable outcome is to shed those ideas, and I don't think that that outcome is, like, made available to those people until they hit a point where they're, like, exposed to enough other worldviews and draco's only had one year of hogwarts at this point so yeah yeah and i mean i feel like for draco it takes a very drastic thing of having to murder someone and him being like i actually don't fucking want to do this for him to sort of like begin that process which is extreme yeah and he's being exposed to all of this stuff but he's like essentially in like an evil fraternity so it's like cool you're like taking classes that maybe are 
broadening your worldview a little, but at the same time you like go back to your common room every night and it's like full of people just like your parents. So, you know, yeah, that's not super conducive to like becoming a better person. Yeah. Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff. You guys, Arthur describes telephones as a way <laughs> that muggles have figured out to get by without magic. Fuck that. Fuck that. Phones are so much better than 100% of the ways that fucking witches have to communicate with one another not in person. It That is an absurd statement. And it makes me want to throw my book across the room. And you know what's even more ridiculous? Is that the magical mirrors mirror that Sirius gave Harry is essentially unlimited FaceTime. Oh my god. But it's rare, I guess? Like, not everyone has this? Like, why aren't they mass-producing fucking magical mirrors? Like, are you kidding me? That is a really, really good question. Like, uh, we, we don't have this where everyone's using See, owls. that's a fucking, fucking solution me? to not having a goddamn phone. That is that is a magical thing that is literally better than a phone. Except for the part where you can't, like, tell someone that you want to get in touch with them. Apparently. I mean, you can't take them to voicemail. It's like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to answer my mirror. I'm just going to put it, put it down. Right. You can't see. <laughs> so there's some bugs to work out. But, like, infinitely better than... An owl. Or an owl fucking bust. the, like, flu powder head in the fire situation. Oh, yeah. No, that sounds fucking awful. So terrible. And, like, you're gonna be breathing in all of this soot, and you're just gonna, like, it's gonna suck. And, like, what happens if the flu powder, like, wears off before you get your head out of the fire? Okay? <laughs> like, because it clearly doesn't last that long. They have to use a new pinch per person who's traveling to Diagon Alley. So that sounds real dangerous. Yeah. Phones are good, which is thinking that phones are absurd is the absurd thing. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Or that not having a like magical equivalent of a cell phone, like you have magical mirrors, but it's like fucking Morse code's been around forever. Even if they had something like Morse code, like magical Morse code or like telegrams. Like, anything but I'm waiting a week because my owl is old to deliver this letter. Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? We're going to get into this so hard at the Quidditch World Cup when fucking oh, Molly yeah. Weasley is waiting all night to find out if her family is dead. Like... Because she's looking at, staring at her fucking clock! And it's all more... And it's, like, more peril. And it's, like, and been it's reported like... in, like, the Daily Prophet or the Evening Prophet or whatever. It's probably on the fucking Witch Wireless. And, like... No one can call her. Though, honestly, like, why didn't someone just, like, apparate home real quick? Anyway, let's save that for two books from now. (laughs) What's next? I understand that why Harry feels awkward about having so much money when the Weasleys have no money. I wish he would have figured some shit out to be like, Hey, Ron, don't tell your mom, but I brought you all your books. Or something. You know, like, you're staying with them for, like, all this time. And, like, I mean, it's awkward because obviously, like, the Weasleys aren't going to take any kind of, like, 
they may perceive as charity, but dude, there's ways around that. They're right. I mean, and sometimes like you just give people money even though they don't want you to. Like I definitely have slip it into Molly's bag and like exactly. And I mean, he doesn't with his like tri wizard winnings, but it's like you spend a lot of time with the Weasleys. Like, figure something out. Like literally, bury it, bury it in the garden, and then like go next time you're helping Denome. Be like, what the fuck? I found a pile of gold. <laughs> Holy shit! You know, and they'll be like, where could this have come from? And then it's just theirs, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to this whole thing with, like, the Weasleys not having enough money thing. Starting with the fact that, like, according to what Harry sees them get out of their vault, they definitely didn't have enough money to purchase all of the things that they purchased in Diagon Alley. I guess maybe Molly already had some money in her bag, but, like, fucking Arthur Weasley works, like, a million hours doing, like, really hard work, and he's not being paid, like, apparently, like, fucking anything. I think, I think that's the only, like, when Lucius is like, you're like a sellout to Wizard and Kind, and you don't even make enough money. And I'm like, you're right. He does not make enough money to do this job. He should be, he should be better compensated for what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> yeah, he acts like that's a dig at Arthur when it's like a dig at the ministry. <laughs> yeah, it's like people who are like, how dare fast food workers make $15 an hour when EMS workers only make $15 an hour. It's like, you're right. Everyone should make more than $15 an hour. Like, what Like what are you trying to say? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just talking about this yesterday with Evan about I wear Tomboy X boxers and I see a lot people like online complaining about the fact that it's like $25 for a pair of boxers and that's really expensive. That's actually how much it costs to like buy organic cotton and pay someone enough money to turn it into a pair of boxers. Like that just actually is how much boxers cost and like all of the cheap ones that you're buying at like H&M are cheap because like you're not actually paying how much they cost if you're paying someone a living wage to make those for you and it makes me upset that the complaint is like these are too expensive as opposed to like because what that indicates is like i want someone else to also not be appropriately compensated for their time because i'm not appropriately compensated for my time so i can't afford those things which is like perpetuating the problem like the problem is that like we aren't all appropriately compensated for our time yeah and not the fact that like a company is deciding to pay their workers enough money like we should be fighting for that for everyone you know yeah does that make sense did i phrase that well yeah no totally yeah, yeah. and i feel so that i feel that's a thing was that I'll look accidentally like... on the right side sorry what did you say no you're right yeah he's he, he he brought up a good point, even though he didn't think it was. Right. No, but what were you saying? Oh, no, I was going to continue about that, and then I'm like, it's actually not relevant to, for me to keep talking about small businesses <laughs> charging a lot of money, because they want to pay their workers and give you a quality product, so say, deal with it. Um, right. No, I mean, like, it is a like huge problem saying. that, like, not everyone can afford those things, but the problem isn't the people who are making the things that are, the problem is the fact that, like, you aren't being paid enough for like your time and you deserve to be yeah Mm -hmm. you the 
I'm yeah. gesturing listeners to the broader <laughs> world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, I this interaction between Harry and Mrs. Weasley when she's like fretting about him using flu powder for very good reasons that we'll get into later. And whatever she says, your aunt and uncle will never forgive me. And Harry's like, oh, don't worry about it. They'll be totally fine if I end up locked in a fireplace somewhere. And then she goes, well, all right. And sends him into the fire. What? 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 No, absolutely not. Fuck everything about that. (laughs) Like literally, oh, don't worry about it. They won't mind if I die. And she's like, well, okay. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Maybe, maybe she thinks that he's being dramatic this shouldn't have any bearing on whether or not she's worried about sending this child willy-nilly through fucking fireplaces with like no preparation like it's the well well, all right that makes me upset like that should not be a convincing argument to her that she's like right that he he should be ready to be sent out into this goddamn terrible transportation system well, I mean, I feel the whole scene, everyone's like, oh, you've never done it. It's fine. Just here's like 18 facts about it that you need to memorize right now. Yeah, get in and the like, fire. Here you go. And then it's like, no, what? No. <laughs> it's so stressful. It's... Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. That should have been like a 20 minute conversation with like some practices. And before they're just like, here you go. Right? Great. Okay, what's next? I'm really annoyed that no one intervene when Lockhart grabs Harry. And it's funny that Lockhart even grabs Harry in the first place without like fucking saying anything or asking and just like, oh. Right. He's touching him without consent in a way that's like very objectively violent. Like, he's taking away his agency. He's photographing him without his consent and publishing the photograph without his consent. Like, that is so fucked up. And everyone just like standing around like, oh, this is fine. And it's like, it's not fine. Ginny's the only one who's like, Harry doesn't want this. Like, fuck. Like, what the fuck? And she's also another child. I mean, the moral of these books is that the only people that are looking out for Harry's well-being are other children. (laughs) At least until we meet Lupin. Which, I mean, arguably, I think is one of the reasons a lot of people, when they meet him as children, are drawn to these books. Where it's like a feeling of like, Adults don't know what's going on and aren't really helping me, but, like, other kids and, like, peers and, you know. Yeah. There's no, a lot I of, like, young, right. people, young people empowerment that happens in these books, which is really lovely. And it's always really great that, like, you know, Harry has a core support with his friends to be, like, you know, to back him up. Mm-hmm. Because 99% of the adults fail him. Mm-hmm. So... Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Um, that was really fucked up. So this might actually be like a politics thing, but I have it in editorial, so I'm gonna leave it here. <sighs> Arthur like drags Hermione's parents off to the leaky cauldron to like grill them about being muggles. And this <laughs> is again supposed to be like he's so quirky. You guys as a trans person, as a non-binary trans person, I promise you that this is, like, deeply uncomfortable for the Grangers. Like, 
they may they're probably real fine with being muggles when they're like in the muggle world but in this situation they are pure outsiders like they are not fitting in at all they feel very uncomfortable and like very out of place in the situation that they're in and this dude is sitting them down to ask them i'm sure extremely unsettling questions and like demanding their emotional labor to like educate him about themselves and their lives and i feel very bad for them and i hate that he's doing it and i hate that it's played for laughs and i wish that it didn't happen so i feel like thinking about hermione's parents who one if not both of them being black are probably just like what the fuck is up with all these white people it's like <laughs> you have author who has asked them how like airplanes work or like how the money works and it's like it's by fives and ones like it's pretty straight forward and then they go with their daughter to the bookstore which like oh it's a bookstore like that's a normal thing and then like author and some like terrible racist white dude like get into a fight and they're just they're probably just like where the fuck are we like are you fucking kidding me i'll have to pull for social some like reaction gifts of the granger parents like throughout these scenes the grangers are side eyeing the fuck out of author because they're just like what the fuck is even happening with this weird ass white dude um, yeah i feel like there's something about like how out of their element i imagine they feel that like in a situation where normally like this weird dude being like how do airplanes work would be like what the fuck is like in that setting and the fact that he's asking about it like the existence of airplanes is like the most ridiculous thing in the entire world is gonna actually feel a lot worse than it would if they were having that interaction in the muggle world yeah no i I think you're definitely definitely right about that because i feel like his attitude is one of like you're so novel which is like an attitude that i've faced a lot and i imagine an attitude that you've faced a lot i think for obviously for different reasons but it's like very yeah. much like i don't know i'm actually just like a person and you could like go google this Arthur can't go yeah. Google this, but like he could probably go to a muggle library. He knows how libraries work. Like go get a book on airplanes. He'd probably be really or- confused by the Dewey decimal system. <laughs> be like, wait, why isn't it alphabetical? Or like a book about what dentists are. Cause apparently they don't have dentists in the witching world, which seems weird. That is upsetting. <laughs> it's so upsetting. I don't really I like love her, dentists I, in the UK, but... I feel like Hermione's parents are horrified that there are no dentists. That's why they keep sending her fucking sugar-free candy. They're right. like, what is this trash they're eating? Do you have a toothbrush? Because does anyone have a toothbrush? Oh Who God. knows? <laughs> this made me sad. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, real awkward. Very, very awkward. They never come with her again, and this is why. They sure don't. 
This is exactly why. They're like, here's some cash, baby girl. Yeah. <laughs> see, see in May. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, what do you have next? Flourish and Blot's really needs like mail ordering. The fact that they have to go, that like, every child has to go in physically to get this shit. I'm like, just fucking mail them a check or whatever the witching version of a check. They is. do have <laughs> mail order. They do. Harry Mill orders his potions book in book six. Because he didn't think he was going to be able to take that class. Oh, yeah. I assume they just go get the books while they're there because they have to go buy, like, robes and everything at the same time. That's fair. Well, then I don't have anything, then. Um, My next note just says, uh, Glockhart. Rufio, come here. <laughs> and we're gonna have a lot of opportunities to talk about how much Lockhart sucks, so maybe we can just like cap this editorial at uh Lockhart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he's a real bummer. He sure is. Yeah. Um, and then my last editorial is this fucking fight. Like, author goes for him, which is like the most unwise. Like, what What did you think was going to happen? Molly's like, what an example to set for your children. And I'm like, you are correct. Like, that is really bad behavior. That is really, really bad behavior. No to physical fucking altercations. Yeah, no, it just, yeah. like, sucks. It, like, there's so much fighting in these books. And, like, I'm glad... And a little confused that they went with fists instead of wands, but like, <laughs> yeah, it's still like real weird. It's weird, and also, and also like, I mean, yes, like eat the rich, but you can't just like if you attack a rich dude in a bookstore who like has such a powerful sway in the government, like that's a really not a wise choice, my dude. That's true. It's also very out of character for Arthur. Like he's a pretty passive guy, you know. I mean, really, it just is a thing that furthers the plot for Lucius to slip Jenny in the, the diary and all the confusion of the fight. So. Yeah. Because, like, even what Lucius is saying is, like, it's frustrating, but it's not like I'm going to fucking punch you in the mouth straight away. I mean, I guess my assumption is that, like, Arthur is in a very, very uncomfortable position in that moment where he's just for no reason that we'll ever understand, bought five sets of the same book for kids that are going to be in those cla- the class at different times, which we'll talk about in education. Um, and he's feeling really broke, and here's this, like, rich-ass dude being like, you're broke, and, like, it just, like, sets him over the edge, but, like... That's actually not a reason to, like, punch somebody. I get why it stung as much as it did, but, like, get your shit together, dude. Like, yeah, don't punch people. Word. Ever. Yeah. I mean, self-defense. I'm not, like, whatever. But, like, don't yeah, fucking but start like, physical this, this fights is, about a... insults. Like, just let it go. Yeah, this... This isn't self-defense. This is just you wanting to hit his jerk face. And I get it. We all want to hit his jerk face. But, like... Just don't. Yeah. 
raid his house instead knock over right. some fancy vases i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah trip just trip a lot while you're raiding his house <laughs> like smash that oops oh i'm sorry i didn't see this how long has it been in your family oh what a shame yeah exactly Welcome to education, where usually we talk about this goddamn school, but now I think we're actually talking about the price of textbooks. <laughs> yes? Yes. Um, also, I'm going to talk a little bit about muggle studies. Okay. I think Arthur is a like prime example about like Hogwarts needs to offer muggle studies to like all their kids every year. <laughs> like require And I mean, it. I get it. Yeah, like, I get it. If you're a muggle-born, you're probably like, I fucking know how airplanes work and the telephone works. But, like, I think it is actually useful for them to know what how wizards think about that shit is probably a useful lesson to know. So, yeah, they should... Muggle story should be mandatory. They should be learning it until the seventh year. Yeah, totally agree. Voldemort makes it mandatory. <laughs> Not in a good way, though. He sure does. Uh, let's... <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Why does it take Voldemort of all people to get some, like, better education reform? This is a problem, you guys. Uh, yep. Uh, anyway. Huh. Uh, all right. Textbooks. <laughs> let's talk about textbooks. And the immediate college flashback I got to this book list. Yeah. There's so much to it. It's like multi-layered, right? Like, fuck you, Gilderoy Lockhart. A. For having having to buy all of your books for this class. The entire fucking everyone at Hogwarts has to buy these books. I guess maybe sixth and seventh years aren't all necessarily taking Defense Against the Dark Arts, or is that a required class? I don't remember if it was required. It doesn't really matter, but yes. I mean, yeah. he's making like. I mean, as far as as far as scams go, this is a pretty huge one. <laughs> Just having by having all these kids having to buy like six copies each of your. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't like that he's scamming school children and their parents, right? <laughs> and not like rich people, which is what he should be scamming. But yeah, he's a monster. But also, like, what the fuck? What the fuck with the Weasleys? Like, they say they have to buy five sets. That means they're buying Fred and George their own separate set. They shouldn't need, like, out of anyone, they can share a set of books, number one. And number two, if these classes aren't at the same time, like, Ron and, like, Ginny could have shared a copy. All of them could share. They're in the same goddamn dorm. Like, you need one set of these books. Unless he's, like, teaching literally the exact same curriculum to first and seventh years, like, they're not Which even going to be, be using the books at the same time. Like, the only thing that I could think of that would make them need more than one is if they're all needing the same book for homework at the same time. But, like, even so, right, like, Fred and George could share and, like, Harry could share with, like, Ron and Ginny. And, like, you know, Hermione could share with Percy. Like, there's no reason for all of these books to be purchased. Because they're all doing their homework together in the common room of the library anyway. Well, the Hogwarts library have one? I mean, I guess if there's one. And why isn't... I mean, dude, like, why can't they just fucking duplicate the books? Do you think that they have some sort of, like, charm on them to prevent that? I don't know. 
Maybe it's really hard. Hermione can do it. I'm sure Hermione can do it. And she would have been like, oh, fuck buying all these books. I'm just gonna make... Well, Hermione loves books. I don't know if she... Well, she probably would. I think she cares about the Weasleys and would, like, understand that this was a situation where, like, it was worth it. Also, like, is there, like, not... Like, some kind of, like, school supply scholarship shit that the Weasleys could... There is. Or in theory there is, because Dumbledore gives Tom Riddle money to buy his textbooks with. So, like, I don't know why the Weasleys are not getting that. Pride? Fuck pride. I mean, yes. That's, like, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, it's, like... People who need, like, government assistance but are like, oh, I'm too good for that and too prideful for government handouts. And it's like, no, bitch, just fucking take it. <laughs> like, yeah. So. Especially, there's, like, so much, like, internalized, like, just, like, the, the like, amount of, like, prejudice and, like, racism and, like, all sorts of like fucked up stuff that goes into the idea of like there being something wrong with like accepting assistance is like just turns my stomach whenever I hear someone be like I refuse to get food stamps because like I you know don't need to accept handouts like you do realize that you're like right now you're like casting a really really revolting judgment on everyone who like is willing to accept handouts to like help their families have like a better fucking life and because like the world is structured in such a way where like people don't make enough money to support their families and that's like not a personal failing (laughs) right yeah you know what's great when you're broke is being able to buy food (laughs) it's like really great (laughs) and not having to be like i'm gonna eat shit out of the gas station because i'm broke you know or whatever or whatever the equivalency is anyway yes i've had food stamps multiple times in my life food stamps are great like uh yeah i know yeah when i had it i was like and it was great because then i could buy like vegetables and like you know not have to be like well vegetables are too expensive yeah and fucking god bless that law in michigan that makes it so that food stamps like are go double at fucking farmers markets like that oh my god yes that was the best uh yeah, when I when I had food stamps, I used that every weekend, and it was the best. Cause mm-hmm. I'm just like, I can just drop three dollars on uh vegetables, and this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I had a friend who called the day that her food stamps card got recharged Avocado Day. <laughs> 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 That's an unrelated, adorable story. Anyway, um, the Weasleys need I- to give up this pride and. A- get this Hogwarts fund for their kids unless it like doesn't exist anymore. I mean, Riddle was at the school like 50 years ago, so things could have changed since then. Welcome to corrections where we correct stuff. This is like only sort it's sort of a correction. It's a confirmation of a correction from a couple episodes ago about um, searching mail not being possible in the witching world, which is that Arthur doesn't know how the postal service works. And that means that they don't have a postal service in the witching world. So tracking the mail is not possible. Okay. Unless you're an owl stunner. Unless, unless there are owl stunners. 
We know there are, but like <laughs> they do make it sound in later books like there is some sort of postal service and that's just like nonsense. I mean, I guess if you're like male coming out of the ministry or going to the ministry, I suppose. That's true. Or like going in out of Hogwarts, but like you can't search someone's mail going from one person's house to the other, probably. Unless you're like at their house going through their shit. Right, that's the thing and it's, that's the, like it's like you can't put anything important in letters because like our mail is being read and it's like, well that doesn't make any fucking sense if there's not a post office. Like there's no middleman. Yeah. There's it just goes directly from point A to point B. Anyway. Yeah. Welcome to our final segment, which today is related to our headline about millennials killing flu powder. It's an expose on how fucking shitty flu powder is. Can I just tell you my three notes on flu powder? Uh, oh, four. One, flu powder is the worst. It's time to retire it. Two, OMG. Three, you have to carry a soot brush. Four, <laughs> this fucking sucks. You have some, like, actually really, really good points about how much, like, why flu powder sucks that I had never thought about before, too. Like, besides the, like, this is incredibly complicated and dangerous and, like, nauseating, I think we should talk about the stuff that you have first. Oh, yeah. So, um, as we discussed about other trash ways of traveling in the witching world, you're spinning really fast. And it's and like if you have fucking like vertigo or shit with your inner ear, like you're gonna puke. Like I would puke immediately. And I'm just like, but sort of more importantly, like <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, you will notice that sometimes I cannot pronounce words. Um, and the fact that flu travel requires you to like quote-unquote, speak clearly your destination in order to get where you're going correctly is fucked up. Yeah. Like, there's a ton of reasons why you might not be able to, like, pronounce or enunciate a word. And the fact that that's what it's based on is just, like, fucking ableist. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, like, if you can't speak, you fucking can't use flu. Or if you have some kind of thing, like, I would end up fucking lost all the goddamn time if I had to, like, pronounce where I was going every time I went there. Jesus. Especially with weird-ass, like, witching places like Diagon Alley. I would say Dragon Alley and end up who the fuck knows where. (laughs) Or Diagonal Alley and end up in, like, limbo. I hope that Dragon Alley would take you somewhere really rad, though. (laughs) (laughs) Dragon Alley is the name of the, like, awesome queer burlesque house in (laughs) the Nocturne Alley. Yeah. It's called Dragon Alley. Yeah. Oh, Lord. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like drag on alley yes yes Ooh, we just invented a great place and maybe <laughs> this episode's gonna be titled drag on alley with like a really hot burlesque situation for the episode yes art. yes everything about like you have to like stand in a particular way and like and also i fucking pots which stands for postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome which like Flu powder, I would, like, I would have to, like, sit on the floor for, like, 25 minutes waiting for my vision to come back and, like, my heart rate to balance out. Like, I'm really glad that you brought this up because you are (laughs) super right. There's so much more wrong with it. 
It's just trash in so many ways. And like And you have to carry a goddamn brush <laughs> to get the soot off of yourself. Which there has gotta be a spell for that, but I mean yeah, but still. Like having to lint roll your clothing is already enough is already too much for me, but like fucking having to like get soot off of all of my clothing, like holy god. And they're like LOL muggle methods of transportation. It's just like um incorrect. Yeah. And I and I mean, granted, um, I have pretty a pretty pretty high flight anxiety slash phobia. Um, I really hate being in an airplane. I would rather be in an airplane unmedicated than fucking half of the ways that you travel in the witch world. Like, are you shitting me? Like, no, I would be like, I'm not doing this. I don't care. I will I will meet you guys there in three hours. I'll get a cab to a train station. Like. I'm good. I, totally good. I'm with you. Especially, <laughs> especially in fucking Europe where you have excellent train systems. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like you can get from like Amsterdam to Paris in like zero time. I don't remember how long it actually takes, but it's fast. It's like so much faster than it would be like on an Amtrak in the U.S. Like y'all have good <laughs> trains. Yeah. Can't take the Amtrak anywhere for any kind of reasonable time. So no. So yeah. Do you know the story about how one time I was taking Amtrak to Chicago and we were delayed by three hours because some wealthy ass person owned a vintage caboose and had like requisitioned Amtrak to attach their caboose to the back of the train and tow it for them. And they were like, we are inconveniencing an entire sold out train full of people by delaying their train for three fucking hours to accommodate this fucking wealthy person. Eat the rich. That's my, that's my answer to that. Yeah, no, fuck, fuck those people. <laughs> right? So also, why? Also, just buy a fucking train if you have a fucking vintage caboose. Just buy a whole ass goddamn train and fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it was like five years ago. I'm still so mad about it. No, that's fucked up. <sighs> yeah, anyway... Food powder is garbage. <laughs> Such garbage. Yeah, just take take the underground instead, y'all. It's all. I mean, I know they're in the middle of nowhere, so it would take a while. But like, mm-mm. there's got to be a better way. <sighs> I mean, they have the night bus. Is there not a day bus? Like, there's not a magical day bus. Are you guys shitting me? Correct. I mean, y'all have a bus that can apparate. Like, dear God. <laughs> Jesse, that is such a good point. <laughs> the night bus is also like a nauseating way to travel, but like it, it is, is so much preferable. better than flu powder. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry. Like you can just flu powder into like anyone's goddamn fireplace. Like the like home invasion, right? Like. <laughs> You know how Mundungus Fletcher steals so much shit? He can just <laughs> flew powder into your house in the middle of the night. He's just flying into people's houses and, like, robbing them blind and then just, like, like, yeah, uh-huh. probably, actually. Like, this is a terrible system. I mean, I feel like it must be really easy to do crimes in the witching world. If you're not murdering people, so like, you, you could probably just do a lot of shit and it's like... The fuck is anyone gonna do? 
They're probably like, forensics, lol, muggles are so silly. Dusting for fingerprints, ha 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 ha. I mean, I guess this is why you keep all of your valuables at Gringotts if anybody just come into your fucking home, like, really whenever they want to. It's true. Because this is why you have the vaults. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Gaily Prophet. Remember to stay tuned after this episode for a snippet of our latest Patreon exclusive issue of The Queer Blur, our fanfic magazine where we create fanfic on the spot for you in the style of that campfire storytelling game where you take turns. This week's issue is titled Codename Honeypot, and it is a film noir style, honestly, slash fic of Molly Weasley and Bellatrix Lestrange. So definitely don't turn this off until you've heard that. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Gaily Prophet. We also, you can just check out our website, thegailyprophet.com where we have uh, you know, all of our awesome comics and our cool merch store which you should check out and buy because it is cute. You can also find us on Patreon if you are inspired to support us. We are queers who are doing this out of love of Harry Potter and uh, website hosting is expensive. Yeah, do you guys know that making a podcast costs money? (laughs) The startup cost of a podcast is actually much more than I thought it would be. Yeah. And it's monthly because you have to record and host and do the things. Yep. So buy our merch, become patrons. Tell your friends who have money to buy our merch if you don't. I don't know, scam some people into buying some stuff from us. Like that's fine too. We support yeah. that. If you want to find me in between episodes and I don't know, read all of my all, all of the spoilers about Game of Thrones. You can find me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. And I am on Instagram at live from Detroit, where you can just see photos of me and my cat. You can find me in between episodes at larkmalakai.com. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I.com, where you can learn all about the work that I do with nutrition and the tarot readings that I offer and also the trans inclusivity trainings for healthcare providers that I do. And just heads up, those are done virtually. You don't have to be near Portland for me to help your doctor not suck at interacting with trans people. So go over there and just click on nominate my doctor. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Lark Malachi or at Radical Healer. And our spoiler warning was recorded by Sarah Sarwar. Our music and our theme song and spoiler warning are by Kevin McLeod. Our show art and all of our comics are by Theo Julian Forrester, who can be found on Instagram at Theo Julian Forrester. All of that information is in our show notes. And until next time. Mail order. Escalator. Pazni. Vertigo. Hello, and welcome to the Queer Blur. Molly opens the heavy wooden door and gestures to Bellatrix to go in. From down the alley, the 
cracks of apparition go off like fireworks. Molly walks through the doorway behind Bellatrix and closes the door, and it is silent. The scene fades to black. The next thing we see is Bellatrix and Molly lying in bed, sharing another cigarette. Bellatrix snuggles in to Molly's body and whispers, You taste like honey. Oh my god, I don't know what to do. Uh... <laughs> <laughs>